psalmist said, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's not on? It is on. I can hear it somewhere. I'm in the monitor. The psalmist said, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it's just good to be with the people of God tonight. Amen. There's such a strength when we come together. And I I am thankful for midweek service. It sits halfway between the weekends. And it's just nice to come and get a little recharge on the way for the weekend. Amen. Amen. Well, as Pastor said, we're going to continue in our element series tonight and this will be abbreviated um you can go ahead and be seated in in this room last week and i think in um other classes as well pastor talked in here about stewardship last week and the subject for tonight really follows on the heels of that discussion of stewardship now you remember that the whole idea of stewardship We are stewards, Paul said, of the mysteries of God. And the the idea of being a steward is that we are not owners of these things, these blessings that the Lord has given to us, but we are administrators of them. And uh, it's a pretty sobering thought, as Pastor brought out so well last week, that if the Lord is the owner of all of these things that we have, and there is Nothing that we have that the Lord is not owner of. We're breathing his air. And everything from the days of our lives to um, the financial means by which we live, the children, the family that we have, the children that we have, everything that we have belongs to the Lord and the Lord has given those things to us to administer and to be faithful stewards of. And in fact, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He's talking specifically there about his operation as a minister of the gospel. But really, this applies to all the areas of our lives. And in the next verse, he says, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. The last thing you want, if if you're working for someone and they own material and you are given charge over that material, the last thing you want to be thought of is a thief. Misusing, taking for your own use the things that the owner has given to you. As fearful as that would be in this world, how much more fearful it would be to be an unfaithful steward of the things that God has given to us. And so our topic tonight for the next few minutes, and I will endeavor to make it a few minutes, is faithfulness and the importance of being faithful to the things of God and to the things that God has given us in our lives. I know we're apostolic and we believe in the new birth, and sometimes... There is such a focus among us on that experience of receiving the Spirit, being born again. Uh, We have even been accused. I was having a conversation 
many years ago with a good friend of mine, and he said, well, you make it sound like when you receive the Holy Ghost that you just get to some level and that's the end of it. And if that is our way of thinking that when we receive the Spirit, we have arrived and we can sit back and we can just wait on the Lord's return, then we have misunderstood the purpose of being born again, being born into the body of Christ. Amen? Because the purpose of that experience and of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is to transform us and to change us into His image. And it, to think that that would be the end, the receiving of the Spirit, baptism in Jesus' name, that think that would be the end is just as much of a, uh, a fallacy as to think that once a child is born and is laying there in the crib, well, that's the end of it. We've got them here, and that's all there is to it. Any parent will tell you, no, that better not be all there is to it. There needs to be some growth. There needs to be some maturity. There needs to be some continuing and gaining an understanding and, and developing of some skills. And just like in the natural, the learning starts at home and then there is school. And if they don't get it through to you at school, your boss will get it through to you. And if the boss doesn't get it through to you, your landlord will get it. Somebody's going to teach you along the way. And there's going to be some growth Maturity, And the same thing happens to us in the spiritual. When we are born again, oh, it's a great, it's a, an exciting day. We all celebrate just as we celebrate a newborn baby. But it really is just the beginning. And it's important for us to be faithful to what God has called us to. And this, of course, is, this is the message of all of Scripture, right? And we understand this even in the natural. When you... You plant an apple tree and it's a, a seedling. You don't expect to go out the next day and get an apple off of that tree. But you understand that if that tree is going to bear fruit, it's going to take some time and it's going to take some consistency. And there's really two things that are important for a fruit tree. And, you know, some fruit trees, they don't bear until they get to a certain age. They don't bear the first year, the second year. It takes time for these things to develop. But there's two, at least two kind of classes of things that are required for a tree to bear fruit. First of all, it has to have the right nature. You would not expect poison ivy to bear apples. You would not expect thorns and thistles. The Lord said you would not expect to gather grapes of thorns and thistles. It is the nature of the vine. The nature of the tree is important. That's where the Holy Ghost comes in. Without the Holy Ghost, we are thorns and thistles. We are poison ivy. And there won't be any spiritual fruit in us without a change in our nature. But when the Lord fills us with the Spirit, we've got the nature part right. We, that part gets straightened out. But now it takes some faithfulness and some continuation in the right environment. That tree has to sink its roots down deep into rich and fertile soil and there has to be water and there has to be sunshine but when those things are there consistently it is a matter of time until fruit is born and I think the point for us as believers is we have to learn to be patient and we have to learn to be faithful there are times when we expect we would love for circumstances to change overnight circumstances to change immediately but 
Sometimes God has mercy on us and he miraculously changes our circumstances. But more often than not, what I have found is that the Lord changes me through my circumstances. (laughs) And as I am changed, then my circumstances also shift. This is why Paul would say that it's not worthy for us to even compare. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. What he's saying is if you can be patient through these circumstances, if you can be faithful through these circumstances, there is something coming down the road. There is a transformation that's coming down the road that is beyond your wildest dreams, beyond your imagination. But there is this requirement faithfulness. No matter how much of an apple tree an apple tree is, if there is not a continuance in the soil, a continued relationship with soil and water and nourishment and sunshine, there will never be fruit. And in a few weeks, we'll talk about fruit of the Spirit, but that really is a sign of maturity. And when those things start to come I'm going to say naturally, but it's really not naturally. It's really supernaturally because the Lord is at work in our lives. But there's not this groaning and exertion for these fruit to be born. Have you ever walked through an orchard or near a fruit tree? Do you hear any groaning going on? No, it's just this is nature that is at work. And the reality for us is that when the fruit of the Spirit is difficult, it's because we're trying to do it on our own. And perhaps there are areas of our relationship with the Lord in which we are not being faithful enough that those things just come as a byproduct of the life that we're living and the fact that we have been filled with His Spirit and that we are in right relationship with Him. So when that is there and when there is that faithfulness, we can expect the fruit of the Spirit. You may have had this experience where something happens at work. Just use work because everybody agrees it's aggravating. Something happens at work and you respond. and, And actually, you respond the right way. And a couple hours later, you think back and think, you know, if that had come up two years ago or five years ago, I would have had a completely different reaction. I would have said something. I would have gotten myself in bigger trouble. I would have made a real mess out of that. But the reality is that because the Spirit of the Lord has been at work in your life without you even realizing it, there was a proper response that sprang forth as a result of a faithful life lived in relationship with Him. When that happens, just say, thank the Lord for a little maturity. Thank you, Lord, for saving me from myself. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me from making a mess out of things all over again. So we, we understand that the race is not to the swift. But the Lord himself said, he that continues to the end is the one that will be saved. There is a need for this, this continuation in our lives. There are so many examples we could use of this or we could draw from in the scripture. Hebrews 11 is this long catalog of faith. And if you want to know what faithfulness looks like, just go read Hebrews 11. Now you may have to take it a little bit at a time because it's overwhelming to think 
what faithfulness sometimes requires. But when the writer of Hebrews gets to chapter 12, and by the way, you will notice that faithfulness in chapter 11 is always expressed as an action. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham went out. By faith, greater sacrifices were offered. These, there are always actions. And when, what did James said it like this? Faith without works is dead. If, if your faith is not strong enough to result in some action on your part, then your faith is effectively dead. Now, if I told you that this building is on fire and we all need to leave, and everybody got up and left, except a few of you sit, stood by and say, what's the matter? Don't you believe? Oh, yeah, we believe that the building is on fire. No, if you really believed, you would be out the back door. Clearly, there is some, there's some block in our communication or we don't understand what the word believe means or something because if you're still sitting here and you can smell the smoke, there is something that is, there's a disconnect somewhere. And this is why in Hebrews 11, when the Lord told Noah, you need to build an ark, he built an ark because he believed what the Lord actually told him. And so when the writer gets to chapter 12, he says, therefore or wherefore, seeing we are surrounded, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience. That is a description of faithfulness. That whatever we're asked to do, we're going to run with continuance in mind. We're going to run with patience in mind. We are moving toward that goal. He said, if you need a goal to look at, then look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And if you read on down, it's like he's cutting us off at the past because sometimes we want to say, well, oh, it's so hard. It's, it's difficult. And the writer of Hebrews says, who among you has resisted unto blood? When Jesus was in Gethsemane, he sweat great drops of blood and yet he went on. He is our example of faithfulness. So when our life gets a little bit difficult, we just have to look back and say, you know, there's a great big cloud of faithful people who have done it before us somehow we've got to translate what God has given us in the in this Holy Ghost. We've got to transmit that or transfer that into a faithfulness of living. Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. How you live your life matters. How you spend your time, how you spend your days, that matters. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And the Lord is the one that set this in order. He's the one that set this process, and you're not going to fool him. He's not going to be mocked. And so Paul said, the, in conclusion, let us not be weary in well-doing. Our natural tendency is that whenever we have started on a path and we are doing all the right things and difficulty comes along, we want to check the seed 
did I plant what I thought I planted? I was expecting apples and oranges, and I've got thorns and thistles. And we say, Lord, why was trying to, I mean, I hope we've all done it because I know I've done it. Lord, I was trying to do your will. I was trying to serve you. I was trying to do the right thing. And now I've run into this great difficulty. I mean, do you not appreciate everything I've given to you? We get pretty pitiful sometimes. Paul says, don't be weary in well-doing. Because God is not mocked. Now, some people, they try to sow one thing and reap something else. You're not going to fool God. But by the same token, God is not going to owe you anything. (laughs) He's not going to be a debtor to any man. And if you sow the right thing, in due season, you will reap. You will reap. It's the law of the harvest. I was just going to tell you, if you set your mind and you set your path and you endeavor to live for God, you will encounter difficulty. But, and you may even come to points and crossroads in your life where you don't know what to do. You don't know what the answer is. But I would say in those situations, Brother Bernard used to always tell us, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. You never go wrong praying. You'll never go wrong reading the Bible. You'll never go wrong fasting. You'll never go wrong dedicating yourself, finding a place of service in the church. The Lord, it's easier for him to guide and direct somebody who's moving and who's doing the right thing than it is for the Lord to overcome our inertia and lack of momentum of just sitting there. In due season, you will reap if you faint not. The biggest risk that any of us have in our walk with God is that we faint and we stop doing what we know that we're supposed to be doing before it becomes time for the harvest to be reaped. We give up and we walk away from the crop just when we were getting ready to see a great harvest. And this is why Paul says, Don't be weary in well-doing. Just keep going. Just keep pressing on. Just keep looking because in that time, you're going to reap the harvest. God is not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to abandon you. And he's not going to owe you if you'll just keep sowing. In um, Romans 2, when you read Romans 1, the end of Romans 1 is disturbing Paul describes pretty much our world that we live in today and he talks about how that even those who don't do all of these wicked things but they take pleasure in them, they wind up bearing in their own body the same reward for all of this wickedness. And um, then he opens chapter 2 and he says, but you know, none of us are inexcusable in all of these things. We've all been sinners. And... Uh, Verse 3, he says, Thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and you do the same, if if your actions and your life don't show a difference, how can you cast judgment on someone else when your life looks much the same? Don't think that you will escape the judgment of God. Verse 4 is kind of interesting out of Romans 2. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, 
not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. He's talking about people who don't live for God. They live contrary to the word of God. And the fact that they're not zapped immediately, they mistake that, that God thinks it's okay. How many, everybody that has kids, you know, you've seen this. They do it one time and you don't do something about it. They think that's the law of the land. And they think they got by with it. They think you didn't see it. So it won't be long. They'll try it again. You'll get your opportunity to take care of it because they're going to try it again. And, and Paul said, this is human nature. This is grown adults behave this way because they do something and God doesn't immediately strike them down. Then he th- the man thinks, well, this must be okay. And Paul said, the problem is you're despising the riches of God's forbearance. The fact that he did not strike you down is actually testimony of the goodness of God. His forbearance, he's he's holding himself back. But his purpose is not that your sin would be enlarged, but rather he's holding himself back, hoping you will find a place of repentance, knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. But as people are... After the hardness and impenitent heart, they treasure up to themselves wrath against the day of wrath. In other words, there is a judgment day coming, and the longer you live this way, you're just treasuring up more and more wrath for yourself. And and the Lord is postponing all of that, trying to give you space to repent. Um, But you're treasuring up that wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render every man according to his deeds. Now notice, verse 7, how Paul describes how the Lord is going to give out to every man according to his deeds. He says, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, to them he will give eternal life. To them who by patient continuance... In well-doing, they seek for glory and honor and immortality, and God will honor those. He will give them eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, he will give indignation and wrath. Our faithfulness is important. And as we come to a close tonight, I just want to kind of focus here in our time together on really talking about a faithfulness to God, that is the first thing to which we should be faithful. It is the Lord who has filled us with his spirit, and it is his righteousness that we should be continuing in and be faithful to. But this is not all just about some spiritual thing, but the Lord has also given to us, as we talked about at the beginning, all of these other gifts, our families, our church family, our children, And it is to these that we also must be faithful and be accountable. And if there's anything that the Lord teaches and is taught through the New Testament, it is a faithfulness to family. Paul writing to Timothy, he's talking about widows and families taking care of widows. And he says, there's this verse that we quote, or at least I've heard quoted, if a man doesn't provide for his own, especially those of his own household, he's worse worse than an infidel. Paul is saying there is an accountability that we have to each other. And we have 
part of relationship is responsibility. We have an obligation to family and to those that are close to us to provide. And that's not just, I, I think that's a pretty broad ranging principle. He's talking specifically about providing for needs, financial and those sorts of things. But, but really for fathers and mothers, this goes to providing a spiritual haven in the home and a spiritual environment where children can grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, we say, or they said in the old days anyway. This is, we provide an atmosphere in which our children can come to the Lord and know him and learn to love him at an early age. And we, we save them from many pains and many heartaches when we do that. And Paul says, if you don't provide for your own You're worse than an infidel. There is an accountability that happens there. Accountability to each other, accountability to God. Why don't we stand together? And as Pastor said, it's funny to be here tonight talking to you about faithfulness. You're the ones here on Wednesday night. But your reward is chicken and tacos and ice cream, right? There were some who followed the Lord for loaves and fishes, but they turned away. I trust that you came here. You may not have even known there were loaves and fishes tonight. You came because you love the Lord and you want to be faithful to him. Amen? Amen. And he is one who is worthy of our faithfulness. There are many things in this world that that cry out for our loyalty, and they cry out for our buy-in, for us to be a part of, most of those things we better have measured loyalty to. But let me tell you tonight, you will not go wrong in having without boundary kinds of faithfulness to God. He will always do you right. Amen? Amen. Why don't we offer thanks to the Lord tonight and ask him to apply these words to our heart. Lord, we're so grateful tonight for what you have done. So thankful, Lord, for what you have brought us together in this place. Thank you for your many, many blessings, Lord. Help us, Lord, strengthen us. Help us to be faithful to your cause, to your purpose, and to each other. In Jesus' name.